1: Who's Marianne going to the Debs with?
2: I don't know.
0: So maybe no one will ask her and she just won't go?
2: Yeah.
0: And you don't think maybe you should have asked her?
2: Seeing as how you f*** her every day after school? File language to be using. Well, feel free to explain in your
0: own words, Connell. What exactly is the arrangement? Marianne comes over to our house, you have sex with her, and then she's not allowed to tell anyone,
2: is that it? What does that mean, allowed? Do you talk to her in school?
0: In front of your friends, are you nice to her? Would you say... Hello to her, even. I
2: don't she cares if I say hello to her. You're
0: f***ing her. Man, can you
2: stop saying that? You're
0: f***ing her and you wouldn't even say hello to her in public.
2: It's not like that you're twisting it now.
0: What are you afraid of? Well, people would think of you if they find out you liked her. But I I you what I think you. I think you're a disgrace. And I'm ashamed of
2: you. Um, where are you going? I'll get the bus home. What are you talking about? We act normal, will you?
0: If I stay in the car, I'll only say things I regret. Matt!
1: Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share
0: and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of Syndicate. I'm your host, Armand Haddad. Welcome to season two. This season we're exploring cinematic adaptations of beloved stories. Today, we are looking at the TV adaptation of Normal People by Sally Rooney. But before we explore a funny thing called love, I am joined by two very special guests. Please welcome to the Cinematic Roundtable, the hosts of Cinema Chicks, Hope Johansson and Madeline Rancourt. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having us. We're very happy to be here. So, so exciting. I, this is our first
0: podcast that we're joining, so I just I can't wait.
2: Awesome. Yeah. Swapcasts are fun, and I'm glad you two are here. Since this is your first time on Syndicate, could you tell our listeners more about your podcast? How did this all start?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'll go. Hope and I, we met last year We both go to Marymount Manhattan College on the Upper East Side in Manhattan, and Hope is a directing and acting major, and I'm an acting major with a comm minor, so both of us were taking acting class together, and I don't even know how it really started, but I think just through like seeing each other's Instagrams and a little bit in class, like every time we got a chance to talk, we would kind of talk about films, and then during quarantine, I really was like... Like posting a lot about like what I was watching and stuff like that. And of course, there was so much time to do whatever you wanted. And I was listening to so, so many podcasts going for walks. And Hope messaged me and was like, wouldn't it be so fun if we started a podcast together? And I was like, oh my gosh, I've literally been thinking about starting a podcast, but I just didn't know what. Like my sister and I thought, oh, we should start a podcast. But what are we gonna talk about that's like interesting and that we know about? And Hope and I, where we have backgrounds in the entertainment industry more in acting, but in directing, we also love film and and study that in school. So we were like, you know what, we gotta talk about films on this podcast. So it kind of started from there and it took a little bit of time for us to like get settled in back into school and hope was moving and we're in different places. So figuring that out and I think I speak for both of us, neither of us are really techie, so that's been a little bit of a a hurdle to go over, but it's been really, really great, and we launched our first episode in December, and we have, well, we have a couple bonus episodes, but we have about 10 episodes released, and we've just been having so much fun with it, meeting amazing people, talking to more people in the film community. And it's just been really great networking. And I'm having so much fun with it.
1: I am also having the most fun. I don't have too many friends who are incredibly interested in the film side of the industry. You know, going to school in New York City, everyone is really all about the theater. So like Madeline said, she is really the only peer that I respect enough, and we have very similar opinions that it this was just like the melding of two perfect, like minded brains, but different enough that we can still have interesting discussions talking about some of the films that are coming out now. You know, hopefully, this can take us somewhere um making more connections and things but also at the end of the day it's totally a passion project and it m- truly makes me so happy
2: yeah it definitely seems like it's meant to be and i have a similar story too i was in a film production crew and me with the guys we were always like talking about like well back then it was star wars because the new star wars movie is coming out it's 2015 and then i was like why don't we start a podcast So I do have to ask about your film school careers. Did you start in person in New York and then COVID happened and then you became remote?
1: Yes, it was very, very sad. Uh, (laughs) At least we did get a foundation in being in person and making those connections. It's definitely so much harder to do online in this virtual world. And I'm also a year ahead of Madeline. So I had a little over a year and a half of school before we entered the world we're living in now. (laughs) Um, So it's, it's okay.
2: Yeah. I can imagine because I was in the middle of recording season one of this show and then COVID happened. And I'm like, of course, of course this would happen. I start a new podcast and the world ends like, this is ridiculous. And I can't even imagine how you two are feeling because, like, you're going to film school and creating movies. You need to be in person to do that. And with COVID, we couldn't be near each other at all. And so that kind of halted the entire industry for you guys.
1: It's very difficult to finally come to terms with, but right. because we've been going through it for so long now, it is... right. Something that I am grateful for in a sense because it has pushed me to be more creative and to start thinking outside the box and focusing more on what I want for my future as opposed to what everyone around me is telling me. And I truly don't think Madeline and I would be here today had uh, COVID not happened. So that's, that's a small blessing.
2: As every door closes, Another one opens. Because like with creativity, because you're creatives, you always have that itch. And I relate to that too as a designer. Like I always have to do something creative. And since you couldn't act on the regular, you create a podcast. And I think that was a, a great transition. So I do have to ask, being actresses, does that give you a unique perspective into film or The movies that you watch?
0: I feel like it does. I mean, I wouldn't say so unique because oftentimes I feel like, especially living in New York, I'm surrounded by actresses all day, which (laughs) can be nice, but you don't feel like one in a million. But I think within the realm of discussing films, I think that one thing Hope and I really enjoy talking about on our podcast, especially because we're cinema chicks and we're two females and we love talking about like female performances is especially we almost have a different lens. I'd like to think where maybe we're not coming in so much from a technical side, but hope where she's coming in with more of a directing side and acting and I'm an acting major. So I think the way that we look at it is maybe a little bit more through a storytelling lens rather than like, I think everything I look at in a film is more, how does it serve the story and how is it propelling that forward? And a big thing that I've learned in my training at school is when creating a film, why this story, why now? And that's something that when creating my own art, I go back to all the time. And I think we've kind of hit a trend where the films on our podcast that we review that we maybe aren't five stars. We're not huge fans of they tend to be, I always realize that it's the ones that I'm like, I don't really know why this story was told now. So I think coming from a, coming from a different lens within the industry. And I just think of myself when working on a project, why do I want to share this? It kind of makes me think about, you know, why did these people sign on to this project? And what are the points that I feel like really show a strong performance? Like we just reviewed Promising Young Woman. And that was a performance by Carrie Mulligan that I think both Hope and I are... Obsessed with. And there's just moments in it that as an actress, I pick up and I'm like, wow, I can tell that she really did her work. Like we talk about how she's tapping her fingers and she's doing all these small behavioral things that maybe would go unnoticed and just seem like a human characteristic. But as an actor, it takes so much to break down that I'm in front of a camera, I'm in front of a camera, and go back to those natural things that maybe Carrie herself wouldn't do, but this character would because of her history and her trauma. So I think looking at films within that lens, I hope is a different, you know, a little bit more of a niche within this film podcast industry that we're both actresses, but I have fun with it. Yeah.
2: It's very important to highlight different perspectives and different lenses when looking at these films because we do all come from... Different walks of life, uh, different life experiences, which makes us look at film differently. And that's why I invite the people on syndicates because, like, I want to have a diverse group of thought going on. I didn't want like an echo chamber. I didn't want like all the same thought. I want like different thoughts. And that's what makes film so unique because. We all come at it differently and we all like say like we're three different people right here and we're about to talk about normal people in a bit. And I'm sure we all have three different perspectives on it, even though it's one medium. So yeah, that's kind of like the magic of cinema. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Speaking of perspectives, Madeline, as a filmmaker, you just made your directorial debut and that is Tootsul, which is... I would say, a love letter to French New Wave to get started. Um, What were your inspirations with your directorial debut? Because I do see one big influence, but I want to hear your perspective first.
0: No, I would love to hear also what you have to say, but I created it for a class, and it was a class about the style and genre of cinema and TV, so throughout the semester, we learned about different genres, and the inspiration was French New Wave, but... We hadn't even gotten to that in the semester when I made the film, but I had studied it before. So my professor was like, "Okay, we haven't even talked about it yet, but you can make it. His kind of pitch in the syllabus was for the final, you can either make a film or and, and write like a little paper or you can just write like a big paper talking about a specific genre with. T- like breaking down a couple films within that, and I was like, okay, well, I think for me writing the paper would probably be easier. But what do, what am I putting my money towards going right. to school to make film? Right. So I decided that I wanted to make make the film and go with that side of the final project ideas. And his concept in the syllabus was working with like doing a modern version of Rapunzel and. I didn't realize until talking to him later in the semester that that was just like him throwing out ideas. We didn't have to do that. But <laughs> when the class started, I was like, oh, this is it. So I was co- racking my brain. How do I come up with like Rapunzel, but modern? I came up with so many different concepts. But the French New Wave is my favorite period in film because I love just French culture. And I love that time and just history. So it just kind of felt natural to go with that. And I didn't want like this girl with long locks. I didn't want it to say Rapunzel, um, which I, I did think about that search Rapunzel French versions and all this, but I decided just to pull inspiration from that story of a girl in isolation and just having herself. And then I, as I was thinking about that, I was like, wow, I really relate to this because of quarantine. So it just kind of felt timely in that way of, I think a lot of us have had a really long period of time where we are alone and we're not seeing other people. And we've had to reflect a lot, at least for myself. So that was mostly my inspiration going into it. And then of course, some of my favorite like French new wave films, I was really inspired by Breathless by Godard. That's I thought so. (laughs) Thank you. I'm glad that (laughs) translated because that is my favorite, favorite movie of all time. I try to emulate some of those things, but also make it my own. And also, I mean... At the end of the day, this was made for a class, and it was also made to share with my friends and family who maybe aren't so versed in French New Wave, which is totally fine. I completely get that. But I wanted it to still translate to a modern audience, and so that was kind of where I kind of dove into the project.
2: I do have to say, you just blew my mind, because I did not see the Rapunzel allegory in there at all, but like you explaining it and you revealing that I'm like, of course, of course it's like Rapunzel because like Rapunzel, she was isolated because of being stuck in the tower and you can't leave. And she grew out her hair to escape. But yeah, I definitely saw the breadcrumbs of breathless in your film because of the editing style. And I know you didn't edit it, but you still directed it. Mm -hmm. So all the shots are, you know, from your brain. Um, There's, (laughs) Good use of jump cuts. It's handheld, black and white. I'm really impressed that you did get all the nuances of French New Wave. And Goddard is definitely all over your short film. And Yeah. yeah, I was very impressed.
0: Thank you so much. That means that means a lot. I think especially being in isolation and, you know, we're on we're on the ends of it. But I haven't been able to really talk to anybody about it other than like, sharing it on Facebook to my friends and family, which like I said, they, you know, don't have maybe as much knowledge of French New Wave. So hearing from somebody that does and that they recognized it, that's really nice. Thank you.
2: <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, and it was even even down to the writing. Because in Breathless, there are some lines of dialogue that are repetitive. And you definitely mastered that with the entire script where you have this main character, Cecile, and she's trying to find love. And she's finding love in all these different things. And there are some moments in the film that really piqued my interest. I do have to say, first of all, ton film est très bon. C'est magnifique. Tu parler français?
0: Um, un petite. <laughs> Could have fooled me. <laughs>
2: yeah, because you had a translator on board. And mm. the one thing I want to highlight is the end Where she's saying like I found love in this and that, and I found love with you, and it was my second viewing where I noticed that she was pointing at a mirror at herself, avec vous, with you, like that piqued my interest because I would have said avec too, which is informal, with you, but you chose to say avec vous, which is formal, and that's why I love the French language so much is because you do have that differentiating in conjugation, because we don't have it in English, you know, Mm -hmm. you is you, and I guess it depends on the context, but in the French language, they have different words to elicit different, like, emotion. So, like, two is informal, vous is formal. Was there a reason why you chose vous, or was that not your decision?
0: Um, That's actually a really great, great point. So, actually, the translator was my grandmother, and the voiceover is my mother, And then Celine, the character is one of my close friends, and she doesn't speak French. So the kind of idea of this voiceover really was out of necessity that my friend does not speak French, but I wanted the film to be in French. My grandmother grew up and is an immigrant from Canada. And my mom speaks fluent French. So I kind of auditioned both of them. And it just didn't really match that my grandmother would be doing the voiceover because she definitely does sound older. <laughs> um, but I I felt like it was okay that it was my mom and not my friend Sophia doing the voiceover because it almost was this like Pinocchio Jiminy Cricket, like conscious maybe as a different voice than what you actually have. So I kind of played with that then gave myself that little levity.
2: I thought it was her voice, to be honest. Until she spoke for that one line of dialogue.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that was another nice part about making this was my mom is back home in Maine. My grandmother is in Florida. So kind of like zooming and, hey, can you translate this? Can you translate that? So I wish I could say that that was intentional or that I have some great idea why we use the formal form of the word. But honestly, I think that was just my grandmother's translation.
2: (laughs) Hey, that's still interesting. And the last thing I want to highlight about Tutsul before we get into normal people, our main discussion. So a hallmark of French New Wave is that it's very low budget. So um, with your short film, did you honor that style of filmmaking in your short film as well?
0: Absolutely. Whether I meant to or not, the budget for this was $50 at Whole Foods to get the food for it. And that was it. No, honestly, this, I mean, I, I won't lie and say this was like shot very fancy because it, it really wasn't. It was shot on an iPhone using a little gimbal from Apple that what? is my, this little gimbal's my enemy. It wasn't I'm- shot on red? No, no, I I wish. But um, no, so it was all things that we had. We used my friend Sophia, who stars in it, her uncle's studio in Brooklyn that I'm obsessed with. And I felt like, hey, this is much better than my apartment. So we used that. And the budget of $50 really just went to a run to Whole Foods so we could get lunch. And we just said, okay, we're going to shoot all the food and then we can eat lunch and take a break and then we'll go back to filming. So the budget really just went to $50 to Whole Food, and that was it.
2: <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I, I would say Goddard and uh, Truffaut would be very proud. Uh, thank you. Keep thank an, you. Keeping it low budget, shoestring budget. <laughs> so I do have to ask, Madeline and Hope, what's next in your directorial careers?
0: Well, after making this, I made it with one of my best friends, Amber Faye, and she shot it with me and she did all the editing and I owe her my life. Um, but she we decided that we want to make more films together. She's an editing major and also visual artist so we kind of if you see at the beginning of the film it says as it be productions and that's just something that we always say to each other like oh as it be that's that's how it goes (laughs) so we're like what could we call this we wanted to like do something so we just decided whatever films that we create will be under as it be productions Mm. and right now we're kind of in settling into second semester and figuring that out but i'm hoping that this summer we can come up with some more short films my partner in Azabee Productions, Amber is very into music and music videos. So I've been kind of looking at some Peggy Lee songs and thinking about, she has a version of, or maybe it's Blossom Deary. I'm not quite sure, but a version of the song Joey. It's like a jazz standard and it has this very eerie tone. So I'm hoping to sort of do like a music video to that and just kind of try a bunch of things out and see where it goes. So that's what's next on my plate.
1: Yeah, for me, I'm currently working on assistant directing a Zoom theater show right now through Marymount Manhattan. Uh, So that has been eating up most of my time. We have our run of the show from March 19th through the 21st. So after that, then I will have more time to work on my own creative stuff. I- Recently got a new phone finally with a better camera so I can (laughs) start shooting my own stuff now without having to feel the pressure of buying a a really good camera in order to create stuff. And I'm working with a friend from high school right now on starting to write a new screenplay. We've been messing around with ideas of writing stories and, and funny sketches and things since we were like... 15 years old and now we both actually decided to go to school for film and want to continue down that path and similar to madeline my friend is also in an editing and production major um so who knows maybe one day all four of us will join forces um oh my god i i am very open to wherever the path of life may lead At the end of the day, I just want to be able to continue to create progressive stories and stories that have not been told, not only from my own personal experiences, but to support people of all different backgrounds and to have as diverse of a story pool as possible, Um, just to have more empathy. That's like the, the synthesis of all of it for me is just to... Create more empathy in the world by nice. telling amazing stories and by talking about amazing stories.
2: That is the beauty of cinema because you do see perspectives that you're not used to seeing. And, you know, given our day to day lives, we probably don't encounter the plight or the story of all these individuals that we wouldn't normally encounter. I'm really looking forward to seeing your next projects. Uh, down the road. So before we jump into today's discussion, please check out Tutsul where it is available. It currently is streaming on YouTube. So if you look up Tutsul 2021, Madeline Rancor, it will show up. Thank you for discussing that.
0: Thank you so much.
2: So, Normal People, since this was your recommendation, how did you first hear about this TV series?
0: I heard about it from one of my friends And she was like, have you watched a show on Hulu? And I had seen ads for it, but I really hadn't looked into it. And then I was like, you know what? I'll give it a try because what else do I have to do during quarantine (laughs) (laughs) other than watching shows? And I'd much rather watch this than Tiger King. So (laughs) I was watching it and I was binging it. Like I was obsessed with it, watching it constantly. I'm still trying to convince my family to watch it. They can't. They can't get into it, but I'm still working on it. So I'm excited to have people to talk about it with because right now it's just been like me and my other friend.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I had actually heard about the book first before it was published. I am a oh. huge book fan. I always have been, and I like to keep up with current books that are being published as much as possible. So I I think I remember hearing about this book first in like 2019 and it being like super buzzworthy like watch out for this this is gonna be big and then after hearing it was going to be adapted for a limited series i was honestly a little skeptical especially for it coming from hulu i was (laughs) like "Mm, i don't I don't know, like if they would have told me HBO Max, uh, Madeline and I are huge fans of HBO Max. If, oh, uh, oh, I if heard. Who have listened to the podcast, yes. Um, so I, w- I was very scared because I I did really love this story and I think it is such a true to current life telling of how relationships go. I see a lot of myself in these characters So I I was really nervous going into it. But honestly, this is one of the best book to screen adaptations I have seen, I think, period.
2: Yeah. And I would say that's probably because Sally Rooney is so involved with this show. Right. I read the book first and I heard about this show because of your recommendation. And I saw the trailer and I was like, this looks good. And then I forget who, it was Madeline or you, Hope, that said, we're going to read the book. (laughs) And so I looked at the book, and I was like, okay, this is short. I could knock it out. So I read the book first, and then I started watching the show, and I was surprised on how faithful it was to the source material. And I saw in the credits, written by Sally Rooney, I'm like, well, that's why. Mm -hmm. Like she's, Mm -hmm. she's involved with the show and it makes sense. And I could see it because a lot of the dialogue is lifted from the pages of the book.
0: On the other hand, I watched it first and then read the book in preparation for this. And I.
2: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ
0: Felt like also coming from an acting perspective, I appreciated it so much because when reading the book, I felt like I was reading the script to the show Mm. and I was like, I like, I know these lines that I'm reading because I've heard them already. So I really appreciated that because I also often think about, I watch interviews with actors and talking about how they made an adaptation from a book and they'll say like, Oh, the book was like my Bible and I kept rereading it and highlighting and finding new things every time I read it. And it really made me admire the performances that uh, Paul and Daisy have in this, because I just, Also seeing it first, when I'm reading the book, I can't picture anybody else in those roles, personally. I just am like, wow, I think they really hit the nail on the head. And like you said, I think that's really because Sally Rooney had such a heavy hand in this project. And I think it really shows. And I just, I appreciated that they stuck true to it because if they had changed anything, I don't really know what it would be. And I don't think it would have had the same like realistic charm that it does.
2: Right. There are some changes here and they're very minor, but the main beats are the same going from book to the TV show. Mm -hmm. Before we go any further listeners of syndicate know what time it is.
1: Please stand clear of the closing door.
2: So since this is your first time on the show, What we like to do on Syndicate is called the 60-second elevator pitch. For those that don't know, when you're selling a movie or TV show to a friend, you really only have 60 seconds to do so. And since I have two guests, we're going to chop that 60 seconds into 30 seconds each. So Hope, you are going to start first. And then Madeline, you are going to finish Hope's pitch. So you're going to summarize the entire plot of normal people while avoiding major spoilers in 60 seconds are you two ready
1: i think so all right
2: <laughs> all right we're gonna start in three two one go
1: so normal people follows the story of uh, a boy and a girl marianne and connell from when they meet in secondary school or high school through to uh their lives in their young twenties. Madeline, go. (laughs) Uh, Throughout this time,
0: we see them going back and forth in the relationship, which is very realistic to real life relationships. They go through breakup. They go see each other. They see other people. uh, They go study abroad. It's this very real college experience. And in the end, You'll have to watch it, but you'll have to see if they end up together or not because I think the whole show kind of is this back and forth and you'll have to watch to see if they end up together.
2: Yes, with two seconds to spare. It's a pretty simple story. It's about this romance between Connell and Marianne and it takes place in Ireland. With Marianne and Connell, this is a very interesting relationship dynamic they have. And, you know, as you said, Hope, they meet in primary school or secondary school. It's high school. (laughs) (laughs) And what's interesting with them is that they both come from, I guess, the American perspective, two different social hierarchy classes. Do you think this is a very accurate representation of how high school relationships are in general?
1: I think so. I think what I find most interesting is that their economic statuses are the inverse of their social status in high school. Right. Which is the one thing that I don't think usually happens. I mean, from my experience, it's the popular people have always been equated to wealth. So I think that is the most intriguing part of the premise is that, you know, Marianne comes from a much wealthier background, but she is very isolated in her secondary school experience.
2: So even though they're from two different economic backgrounds, they're almost in the same boat, looking at their familiar home dynamic, because the one thing that isn't directly addressed is that they both don't have father figures. Mm -hmm. And we don't really know the full story with Connell because it's just him and his mom, and they work for Marianne's family, and she also doesn't have a dad, but it's explained in the show that her father passed away. Even though that's in the background, I think that really shapes their life experience.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I felt like I could really relate to the fact that Connell... And Marianne both are really independent. And I think that kind of stems from them coming from these almost broken families and having to fend for themselves. And I think that really translates through their relationship of they do want to be together at times, but they also know that they'd be okay not being together and not having each other because they're such independent people. But also I'm a huge believer in what you grow up seeing in relationships absolutely influences your future relationships and where Marianne grew up with a father who I believe he was not good to her mother. And then whatever happened with Connell and his mother and father, you know, that that sets an example when you're young. That's the first relationship that most people know. So I think the fact that they don't really know exactly what they want in a relationship or how each other can fit into their own lives, I felt like was really truthful. And I, I liked that. It wasn't, I never felt like Sally Rooney was trying to force these two characters together because that's what the audience wants. I mean, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, please get back together. Please get back (laughs) together. Every time when they were apart. But I mean, that also keeps you excited. And it just, there were moments where I'm like, oh, it doesn't even make sense why they're not together right now. But that's how life is. I feel like sometimes you don't, everyone else is like, why aren't these people together? And, you know, these sort of outliners of relationships kind of looking in being like, Oh, they're so good together. And I felt like that was really truthful. And that was one of the things about this, that reading the book, it just, I'm like, how did Sally Rooney, how was she able to translate this to a page? And then later on translate it to the smaller screen for Hulu. And it almost reads almost like a documentary at times because it just, To me, it felt so truthful and raw.
2: Yeah, like it highlights the fact that relationships aren't tidy. Like just like with life, they're messy and they can be really messy because there isn't a handbook for relationships. There isn't an instruction manual for love. And you just have to figure it out as you go. And you really need those support systems to shape you and to mold you into the person you are and the person that you show to others and you treat to others. And with Marianne and Connell, they don't really have good support structures in their life. Connell's friends aren't great. They're kind of <laughs> douchey. Yeah. And then Marianne, you know, in high school, she didn't really have friends and she really lashed out and was very angsty and her family they didn't really like her. So, you have these people that don't have great backgrounds coming together. And when they do come together, unfortunately, it's very toxic. And when you recommended the show, and judging from the trailer, I was like, oh, it's a romance. Okay. <laughs> and getting into the story, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is so toxic. Like these two people coming together. And it's unfortunate.
1: It's so messy, but I truly don't know a relationship that isn't that messy in its own unique way. Maybe not to that extent, but again, stories do have to be dramatized somewhat in order to pique everyone's interest. But at the heart of it, it is the, the truth of life and how people interact, especially independent people. I am a fiercely independent person myself. And, and I can say there were some points watching this, I'm like, oh, okay, that hit a little too close to home for my taste.
2: Right. Yeah, I was in the same boat, especially that end. Oh my god, which we'll get into. And so the story is broken up into, I guess, three sections, high school, college, and then adult life. With high school, they didn't start on The Best Intentions. And in the book, it's very introspective, and you see like their their thought processes, both Connell and Marianne. But in the show, it's all emotive. So you're kind of trying to figure out what their motivations are and what they're thinking through the dialogue and their actions. And I feel like in the beginning, I, I do have to say, It's Connell's fault (laughs) because he wanted to keep this relationship a secret. And I think setting that precedence kind of muddied the water right out of the gate.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that was something that watching it, I was like, oh, I don't understand why. But I think... Both of them are almost like these shy and timid people in some ways and a little bit more introverted and reserved. And I don't think they're the type of people, even though Connell is in this, you know, maybe a more popular friend group, I think he is a little bit more quiet and he doesn't want to share his private life so much. It was so interesting to see because we see them privately together. And then we see them, especially once they go into college, how their relationship functions when other people are around and how Connell will treat Marianne, like when they're in high school and they go to that fundraiser and just these, these moments where just those two people, how they really connect. And then when they're separate, it's like the world can't know this sort of secretive thing, but I think, like Hope was saying, that maybe was a little more dramatized for the sake of it being a book and a TV show. I think that kind of kept the audience on the edge of their seat, like, oh, like, when are they going to finally share this with other people? And when are they going to be a little bit more open to being with each other?
2: Right. That secrecy and like, Connell definitely has some intimacy issues. I guess it stems from his. Family, The broken marriage or lack of marriage of the father and mother in his life continues on into college where, you know, they break up in high school and then they, through serendipity, they meet once again and then they're thrusted into each other's lives. And I think that would be very difficult for anybody to move on from somebody if they reappear in in your life typically high school relationships are meant to end and then you move on and then you grow as a person. But with Connell and Marianne, they kept on bumping into each other. They kept like their lives are like interwoven into each other and definitely shows.
1: Exactly. And that speaks to Madeline's immediate reaction. when she's like, oh my gosh, they have to get back together. They have to get back together because it seems like their lives are tied to each other. And I think that brings up the question of fate and destiny it's like okay well if if i am continuing to run into this person time after time whether they're good for me or not whether i like who i am with them or not is this what my life is supposed to be am i supposed to be with this person and what does that look like and how does that affect my other relationships and do i have to you know forget any hope with anyone else to go back to this person because, you know, they showed up at this random event that I was at too. Um, right. I don't have the answers to that. And I think the best part about normal people is that it doesn't give us answers to it. Really.
2: It's super thought provoking. And this is a great PSA on how not to conduct your own relationships. Cause yes. like, <laughs> I think a big issue with, Connell and Marianne is that it can be summed up with miscommunication and they don't fully communicate with each other especially Connell because since there isn't a handbook on how relationships work he thinks that he is communicating with Marianne but he really isn't and that causes so much issues and rifts in the relationship is because he thinks what they're doing is okay but in actuality it's not, and how he's conducting himself isn't good either, and it, like, compounds with each other, and it takes years for them to fully talk with each other, you know?
0: Yeah, I feel like that's, again, I keep saying it's this is just so truthful, but I really felt like it was, because you don't really ever see them completely, like, explode on each other, and you never see them like super lovey-dovey I felt like at at points I I wanted them to be together but also I was like are they for a long time they're more just like a friends with benefits situation and but it's they're not talking about it to anybody and yeah they really don't even at points they don't even know how to speak to each other and I feel like both of them because they're so reserved they almost are afraid to confront the other about how they feel and they don't want to mention anything, but then one of them will do something that they're like, oh, they do care for me. And I can, it's very much like a game of you take a step forward. I take a step back. You take a step forward. I'll take another step forward. And where are we meeting each other in the middle? And I think it was really beautiful to watch that. Also, it's, For me, and and I think Hope can relate as well, where we are in this time period that they are in. Watching this uh, during my freshman year of college, just coming out of high school, I could understand that high school relationship that they're having. And I could understand this start of college wanting to kind of move on from your past, but it's inevitable. They're connected to each other and they still see each other, like you said. And is it a question of fate or do they move forward? And I think this reached me at a really great point in my life, which I'm kind of grateful for because I'm in the same milestone timeframe as them. So yeah, I'm a huge fan. I could keep going, (laughs) (laughs) gushing about it.
2: No, it's it's a great show. And I was surprised on how good it was. And I was surprised on how much it moved me, especially the ending and reading the book first and then going into the show i kind of know the main beats i know what's going to happen but like seeing it on display on the screen watching it it's a completely different experience feels like you're seeing you know a window into these people's lives like it's so natural and the chemistry between the two actors is so great i do want to highlight that as the character's progress They change, and some is for the best. As Connell becomes more comfortable showing affection towards Marianne, becoming more communicative, but Marianne is taking turns and steps into a more, I guess you could say, destructive path. And it was revealed that her father used to beat her mom, and that manifested later in her life when she got into abusive relationships starting in college. How did you feel about that?
1: I was really pleased with this storyline because it highlights how cyclical abuse is and how it manifests through different generations, which again is so truthful, but so subtle that no one, notices it and it will pop up in more acceptable forms because as a society, we've decided, you know, like physical abuse in relationships is a no, no. Like we, we've gotten to to that point, but it's like, okay, but what if, if I like being abused consensually, I think whatever helps make a relationship healthy or thrive You do you, that's great. But again, you also need to take a couple steps back and be like, okay, but where is this coming from? And I think in a really subtle way, Sally Rooney wrote that into this story, which is so smart and so genius and like a cue I wanna like put in my mind to think about when I'm developing characters too. It's really, really smart and so much more telling than anyone can consciously realize.
2: Right. And Sally Rooney, when she wrote the script and the book, she took it to the next level where Marianne wasn't into it just, you know, out of like a fetish reason. It was that she felt worthless as a person. And she wanted to feel that physically that she is worthless because of all the events in her life that were going wrong and all her relationships are not working out for some reason. And she's trying to navigate this strange world of romance and she's not understanding why. And she really likes Connell, but Connell is being Connell, you know, (laughs) not being there for her. So seeing that slowly manifest, you know, from episode one till, you know the later acts it was just heartbreaking seeing her viewing herself as not even a person anymore
0: yeah it definitely was very hard to watch and I many times was like oh my gosh I want to help her but obviously we can't but I want Connell to help her and be there for her but I think at the end of the day it's especially where it's so highly related to her past and she's dealing with that. I almost felt like there was this feeling of her past that she maybe never really fully dealt with. And especially where she jumped into her relationship with Connell in high school, you know, they're still pretty young. That was maybe something that she never really explored in relationships, maybe never talked about to a therapist or, you know, the ways that you work through past trauma. And, I think the way that it kind of ended up bubbling up at the end and really coming to, she's been in these different relationships. She's kind of realizing that maybe it wasn't because of this guy or because of that guy. And deep down, it's something that she's dealing with within herself. Again, like Hope was saying, Sally Rooney did a really great job emulating that and at no point did I personally feel like okay this is too much and like I'm you know like it wasn't it wasn't so heavy that it was uncomfortable at least to me I just felt like they touched on it in a really nice way that it was you could tell that it was consuming Marianne at times but it didn't really consume me as an audience member I in a way appreciate it because I was able to see how it was affecting her life and her relationships but that wasn't the whole plot of the show. It wasn't like taking a turn about now Marianne can't do this and all that. I still felt like they had this clear straight line that it's about Marianne and Connell and it never was, Oh, this is all about Connell or, Oh, it's all about what Marianne's going through. And it just kind of dropped in on, this is what each of them are dealing with. And this is how it affects their relationship.
2: Right. Getting into the final beats of the show since their lives are intertwined and it is a story about them, it gets to the point where they're finally understanding each other. They're finally in this loving relationship where they're comfortable with each other. And they're most importantly, comfortable showing other people that they're in a relationship. And that's what made the ending so much more harder. So we get to the final episode and Connell has this great opportunity to go to the United States, New York, to, you know, further his writing career. And, you know, the show is based in Ireland. So that is a huge, huge step. And Marianne's reaction is such a loving and caring thing to do. So what exactly happened at that end?
0: They have this moment of... <laughs> In a way, it reminded me of um, like a La La Land ending of you being yes. in a relationship and having to realize what is best for the other person. And maybe it's going to be hard on the relationship, but I think they find that, you know, this is best for Connell and follow what he's been studying. And I think especially Hope and I, were both artists. It's like we totally see that you know, as a writer or as somebody within the arts in general, you have, you take the opportunities that you get. And especially where he has this huge opportunity to go to the United States. And I think there's part of this follow through in their relationship of, like we've said, they always kind of come back to each other. So I think there's the beauty in that of this comfort of knowing that even if they drift apart, They might come back together. They might not. They'll probably see other people. They're pretty in an open, not exclusive relationship at all throughout all of this. And I think in ways that informs them more about their personal relationship between the two of them. I don't know. I would love to see this continue. I I'm a little greedy and I want to see more of Connell and Marianne. And I also love the performances that they give. And I just want to see more, but I also understand that this is based on a book and this would be a good (laughs) series. So I'll let the characters rest and I'll just keep rewatching it, but I would love to know the rest of their life. I want to see how it all plays
1: out, but I would too, but I almost want to keep that to my imagination too, because it was such a good faithful transition from book to screen. I don't want some other kind of writers to come in and just like decimate any hope (laughs) I had for these characters.
2: Right. Yeah. I, I think we all want to see what the next chapter is for these characters. And I think we're all in the same boat of we want them to get back together and to be together for life, but life has other plans. And Marianne chose the very adult decision of ending this relationship. And, you know, even though they do love each other very deeply, and Connell, one of his final lines is, I'll never love anybody as much as I love you. And that's just so, so heartbreaking. Like what I said earlier, there are things in life that no one teaches you. You just have to experience it yourself. And this is one of the things, which is relationships have their time and they end, just like with everything. Everything has its time. Everything must end because then things will get started after that. As one door closes... Another one opens and it is true. Connell will probably never love anybody as much as Marianne, but there's one thing I would say he's not prepared for, which is he's going to learn to love somebody even more than Marianne. Mm. Like He'll still always love Marianne, but he'll learn to love somebody even more.
0: I hope so. I hope so too. I want the best for both of them. That's the thing. I'm like, Oh, I like, I love these. I love these characters. I really do. And even in the points where I was frustrated with them, they were so human and I could really appreciate that. So I, I do want the best for these fictional characters <laughs> that don't exist, but in their own world.
2: Exactly. So to close the show here on Syndicate, we like to do one reason why. So starting with you, Hope, what is the one reason you would give somebody to watch normal people?
1: I would want someone to watch normal people to learn more about themselves and maybe see how they operate in a relationship through these characters.
0: For me, I would, the one reason I would give somebody to watch this show is to see such a truthful relationship be played out throughout a span of years. I feel like I know so many people in my personal life that.
2: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: Sometimes in TV shows and books, relationships can be extremely glamorized. And I feel like this is one where it's messy But it's beautiful because it's messy. And that was one takeaway that I had. And I would recommend this to anybody who is going through a relationship like that or just needs to see a relationship like this. I think maybe it sounds silly, but it informed me about relationships and different relationships, whether it's fictional or not. So I would recommend this really to anyone, I think.
2: Yeah. And then for me, you can't have beauty without tragedy. This show is definitely a take-home project because it's not only entertaining, but you can apply it to your own life. And there are lessons to be learned from this screenplay. It's so poignant, and I definitely recommend it for anybody that is going through something similar, or maybe not. It's a good snapshot into a very relatable life that a lot of us live. But that's it for this time on Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about Normal People by Sally Rooney. Please check it out where it is available. And now I would like to take a moment to thank my guests, Hope and Madeline, for coming on to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having us. We are so happy to be here and to talk about something other than a movie, for one.
0: (laughs) Yes, thank you so,
1: so much. I was
0: thrilled to talk about my own film. That was an honor and so exciting and Like Hope said, talk about something still within our wheelhouse, but something a little bit different and an adaptation. It was so much fun.
2: You two are welcome back anytime. Like this was a lot of fun.
1: We would love to come back. Absolutely. Any day.
2: Awesome. (laughs) If you'd like to hear more of Hope and Madeline on Cinema Chicks, please check them out where fine podcasts are available or follow them on Instagram at Podcast. But if you like to keep the conversation going, please add us on your favorite social media platform at Syndicate. That is C I N E D I C A T E Syndicate on Instagram, Twitter, Clubhouse, Facebook, and Letterboxd. If you have any questions or film recommendations, please email us at infosyndicate.com at or visit the website syndicate.com. And until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Au revoir.